Yes? So here's the deal. If you are enjoying being at Grace Cuff, then you can help us out and you can do the Lord's um, a service by liking, sharing, posting, forwarding. If you watch, if you listen to the um, podcast, send it to a friend. If you listen to the YouTube, uh, watch the YouTube. I'm getting my listens and watches confused. Just let others know. If you have a colleague going through a certain time of life and you go, hey, I heard a great story just that would help you out, man, then just let them know a link. I do it all the time. And you, you, I listened to this the other day. How about this? Wouldn't you like this? And so you help us out. Most people who are Christians are a little shy at what we call witnessing, telling people about Jesus. Well, this is a really easy way to do it. So if you're happy here at Grace, the best thing you can do is just let someone else know. Talking about our ID groups, identity groups, we have 17 groups meeting across the city every day, I think except Monday. We've got them in the evenings, we've got them in the mornings, we've got them all over the town. We've got some for ladies, some for younger people, older people, men and women, for families, for individuals. We have tried our best to make this really accessible and approachable. You can have a look and maybe you'll see either a suburb that uh, is convenient to you or just someone that looks pretty cool and you might want to get to see them again. Why don't you run those again? Thank you. And um, really do want to encourage you. It's just six weeks. Most of us can get through six weeks. And so we're not asking you to commit forever, but I would suggest that you find one of these groups and you plug in for six weeks. Identity is going to be amazing. We have two years, two previous years, so we've done similar series, and people still talk about them today. However, the groups are probably half of the impact. Sundays are great. Devotions are great. You get a chance to do it in a bigger group, in a smaller group, and then on your own. And so sign up for the whole hog, and you get the whole thing. Right? Good? Okay. <laughs> um, you would have seen some new faces on our church news. We have a bundle of uh, new interns this year. As you can see, you'll see their smiling faces once in a while. And I haven't had a chance to say this publicly yet, but we also have Elrica joining us in the office uh, this week. So you'll hear her voice on the phone. And uh, some of the touches around you'll see uh, will be from her. So please reach out to her. The, um, remember that Grace Club has a hotline, and that's the number that you can, you can WhatsApp, you can call, and uh, we'll get a hold of you. You can get a hold of us that way. Uh, very cool to be together. Quickly, uh, last week, colleagues and I were in KZN, and uh, we had the privilege of ordaining Tyler Francis onto the eldership team of HCF, and uh, we... No, Dwayne and Lauren, who lead the church there, they ministered here. But more importantly, we know Tyler, right? Remember Tyler and Elijah spent nearly three months with us uh, way back in 2021. And he and his parents told us that it was life-changing to be with Grace Cove. How about that? Hey? So if you've been around, if you were part of Grace Cove in 2021, well done. Woo! Woo! Isn't that cool? You know, uh, the, 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 I'm getting entirely off track because I'm enjoying myself too much. Um, the Bible scholars say that it took 
eight years, the, 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 the eight years of church history, so from when Jesus instituted the church to produce the first leader. Eight years. Hey? And uh, here we have Grace Cub being having the privilege of producing leaders, not just here, but in other parts of our country and the world. And uh, man, I, it was a sweet. If you ask Colette how the weekend went, she just says it was sweet from beginning to end. Am I right? It was, honestly, you can see he is a well-loved man in that church, but also there is a respect for him as a, as a shepherd of the sheep already. Super cool. Two years ago, they had, there was the last elder. He is now leading a church in Zim. So, in terms of the current elders, the last elder was six years ago. Uh, so, we're trusting, and I'm saying this so that we can be on board as a church, as a body together. Man, you don't want these long gaps. You want the cycle of new people coming up, putting their hands up, doing what God has called them to do. My suspicion is it's a new turning point. Yes, turning point. And uh, I'm excited to see what comes next. They made Kolesna... Uh, minister at the youth, my goodness, and uh, Colette preached with the ladies on the Saturday morning, and uh, then we did two, two, more, two e- morning and evening meeting, and then we came back uh, on Sunday. Who enjoyed the fast? I'm only putting my hand up because I'm asking you to put your hand up. I don't enjoy fasting, I'm just telling you. Uh, Jesus said we must, so I do. Um, I do know that it gives power to our prayers, and it's amazing to hang together. And, uh, and now you okay. I'm looking at you waiting for Afrikaans just to come. Can you not, like, mentally, hey? <laughs> hey? I'm thinking of all those words like tearsput and swarkai and, and, uh, and so on. We're not looking at Andre. But it's great to go through some challenges together, isn't it? I mean, hey, it's like, honestly, a little bit of hunger is not the biggest challenge people face in this world right now. But it's amazing how we make ourselves physically weaker and hungrier, helps us remember Jesus, who gave, who, who, who literally sacrifices whole soul, not just a few meals for you and me. Isn't that cool? Yeah. We had great times praying together. Ted led us. It was amazing. We had different guys and so on. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you missed out, it's not for the special few. You're invited if you're part of Grace Cove. And if you're not, you're still invited. So everybody knows that red makes bulls mad. Don't they? That's why the, I want to call him a conquistador, but he's not. The bullfighter waves the red coat, right? The matador, thank you. Just a little help from a friend. Well, actually, the scientists tell us that it's the movement that triggers the bull. Some of you are nodding and makes him chase the matador. Everybody knows that chewing gum sits in your stomach for seven years, right? Actually, according to the Mayo Clinic, Chewing gum is entirely undigestible, and I'll spare you the biology. It goes straight through your system, my friend, the doctor. Everybody knows that the average human swallows eight spiders a year in their sleep. 
Well, according to Scientific America, spiders don't intentionally come into contact with humans. I don't know because I get bitten often. And the vibrations that come from a sleeping person, some louder than others, would probably frighten the spider away. Miss Muffet. Everybody knows that Marie Antoinette said, let them eat cake. She actually said it in French, but that's another story. Don't we? Actually, there's zero evidence that she ever uttered those words. We are told she said, let them eat cake because the people were starving and hungry. And she was being ironic and, and, and horrible to them. But actually, the evidence we do have is that she was a very charitable person who had great compassion for the poor. Everybody knows that bats can't see, right? That's why we say he's as blind as a bat. That's why they had to use radar, right? Well, actually, National Geographic says that bats see at least three times better than humans. Everybody knows that if someone gets stung by a blue bottle, Margate Beach in December when you're on holiday, the best treatment is to urinate on the sting. That's the doctor over there is cringing at all of these lay people. Correct? Well, according, according to the Cleveland Clinic, the proper way to treat a sting is with hot water. Not only is urine not effective, but it can even worsen the sting. Aren't you glad? <laughs> I think next holidays we all get those uh, medical alert bracelets that says, No urine! <laughs> what if you'd agree with me that we all probably believe things that aren't actually true. In fact, we've invented the phrase fake news to help us get through what's right and what's wrong. The word believe in the dictionary, it says that it's something that's accepted, considered to be true, or held as an opinion. To accept that it's true, especially without proof. Believe is bet is different to truth. Truth, the dictionary tells us, is the property of being in accord with fact or reality. To be faithful to reality, which agrees with an ultimate standard. Can I just suggest to you that without God, there is no truth. Now, if you're not a Christian here this morning, that's fine, we can talk. I don't mean to be uh, uh, offensive to you. My point is this, you have to have a standard if there is going to be truth. If I say to you it's going to take you five minutes to go from the church to my house, come visit me, you say, well, what's five minutes? Well, there's a standard of time that I'm referring to. When God said to Noah, build an ark, there was no standard of an ark. There'd never been a boat before because there'd never been any rain before. And so God had to explain to him how you make an ark. 
He said, well, you get a cubit of something. And he said, well, there's never been a cubit before necessarily. <laughs> Believing what is not true is both dangerous and self-destructive. You see, a kilogram will always be a thousand grams. And we know what a gram is, right? Always. In fact, in the olden times, you had to check the weights that people used. Is your countermeasure, remember the balancing scales? Is your countermeasure actually a legitimate weight? In fact, even the Bible speaks in the Old Testament about people who cheat with their countermeasures. Those of us that have been around long enough, if I say 1023, what does that mean? You're just pretending. <laughs> Information. I remember having to dial, I thought it wasn't 1023 or 1011 or something. When you hear the beep, it'll be 1026, you see. 923 and 3 seconds. Beep. You remember those days? Why did we have to do that? Because our watches didn't keep time. We needed a standard. A standard of truth, verifiable veracity that we could align our timekeepers to the truth. Otherwise, when you say I'll see you at nine and I say I'll see you at nine, we both arrive at nine, but we get there at different times. We used to live in Arini. They closed the gate by our house at six o'clock every night. I remember it frustrated us no end. If we were kind of, if it was 5.58 and we were like, do we go the long way or the short way? And we'd aim for the gate. And then 5.59, the gate would be closed in front of us. You must know how that lightened our day. <laughs> I remember coming out of our, our driveway the one day, and the security guards had come, and they were locking up the gate. I said, excuse me, you can't lock the gate yet. I was looking out for my neighbors. That's what the Bible says we should do. <laughs> he says, no, no, it's 6 o'clock. I said, no, it's not. It's 5.54. You're six, six minutes early. He says, no, and he pulls out his phone and he shows me. He says, look, it's the right time. I said, no, it's not. The time says. We began to have enter into this philosophical debate about whether the numbers on his phone equaled real true time or not. We can believe something and hold something to be true that is not we find ourselves in dangerous and precarious, possibly self-destructive positions. Someone said, if you tell a lie loud enough and you, you repeat it long enough, people will believe you. I think that's the first day and every day of politician school. <laughs> Let's have a look at this next picture. This picture represents what God sees. It represents everything that God knows to be true about you and about me. The sum total of what God sees. We'll read it just now, but we, we won't read the whole passage. But do yourself a favor this week. Go and read Psalm 139. It's my favorite passage in the whole Bible. It was incredibly instrumental to God speaking into me and shaping and forming and shifting my identity when I met Him. The sum total of the, the things that God knows about me. It's what He sees when He looks at me. We could say this 
is God's truth. And we know that God's truth is the truth. You argue with an atheist and they say what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, they don't have a standard. What is good if you don't believe in an ultimate being who is good? Or people will say we come from a, well, we, 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 we arrive at it through consensus. Really? Look around you. Uh, not one of us is dressed alike. Not one of us is shaped alike. You could extrapolate this to the whole world. You don't even have to look at your thumbprint, which you know is unique. But every single one of us is different. Yeah? How will we ever agree on what actual truth is if we don't look at God's truth? This next picture is what I believe about myself. I think the average human being thinks less of themselves than they should. And about you, but when you, when you watch TV, it feels like every American believes they could grow up to be president. Can't remember the singer's name, but they said it. We think the Americans are the uh, confident nation, you know? Everything's bigger and better and they all expect to be the hero. We think. I think the average person has doubts and insecurities. And when we lie on our bed at night, there's things about us that we think less of ourselves than we actually should. The second circle represents what I believe about myself. I don't like the phrase, but people say you could call it my truth. We come across like that, the other? Okay. So what's, I just need to share with you my truth. I'm like, well, there's truth. How can you have your truth and I have my truth? Because if I say, sure, it's hot in here, and you say, no, it's cold in here, well, who's telling the truth? Well, the easy thing is you get out of thermometer because we have a standard of truth, right? These days you talk about, I just need to be true to my authentic self. Which is code for I can do whatever I want and who cares the the the, 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 the um, consequences. consequences. <laughs> my truth only works selfishly. Who cares about you as long as I have my truth? There's no bigger rubbish in my book. I'm not saying it's yours. I'm just saying you're telling me about me. I'm confessing my sins. Perhaps the word belief is a better word than my truth. I believe this to be true. Imagine a little girl coming home from school in tears. Her dad greets her. She bursts in sorrow and sobbing. She says, Dad, I am so ugly. I mean, I just say that and it hurts our heart, right? Just like that. The dad says, Why do you say that, my girl? You are the most beautiful thing I know. But something happened that day at school, right? We've been there. Someone said something, and maybe others agreed with it. It got in her head, and she's begun to believe it. It's not true, but she's believing it. And because she believes she's ugly... She also believes she is unlovable because who would love an ugly person? 
if the kids in the playground don't, who would ever see my value? Even though it's something her dad knows for fact is not truth. What God sees, what we believe. You see the circles aren't overlapping entirely. Psalm 139. It says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. The abbreviated version, it says, You perceive my thoughts. <laughs> you know what I think from afar. You are familiar with all of my ways. You know what I get up to. You know my words. That thing I said to that person, God knows. It says, You created my inmost being. The, <laughs> the beautiful picture is you knit me together in my mother's womb. It's not a scientific image, but by it's beautiful. It says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. You ordained all my days before one of them came to being. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Aren't these all words? Lord, align me with truth again. Test me. Is it a meter or a meter and three? Is it 26 degrees or 27? Test me, Lord. Know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This third picture. We now have three segments. Segment one, uh, segment three are the things that I believe now that God doesn't. You see on the right-hand side of the image? It's outside of God's truth. It's what I believe, but it doesn't fit with what God knows to be true. Another word for that, it's a very fancy um, technical term. It's called lies. Segment two is God's truth about me that I don't yet truly believe. Segment one, where it overlaps, is God's truth that I've come to believe about myself. And it's profound and it's amazing. It's life changing. It somehow puts steel and concrete in my depths and it makes me strong and it gives me like a like a milestone a, 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 a marker that I can orient my life around. You may say this about me but in this area I know this to be true. In that area you, you might fool me and I might follow you, I might believe what you say. But in this area what I believe in God's truth overlap and it makes me strong. know I'm his child. I know that. I didn't at one stage. Another stage I wondered. Maybe hoped. At another stage I doubted. But there came a moment where God's truth and my belief overlapped because of his work in my life and now I know the truth shapes who I am. You can call it my identity. So the identity gap that we speak about is the difference between what we believe about us 
and what God sees about us. And little by little, God is working in us. And if you will let Him, even if you are not what we call born again, even if you are not His child today, God will bring those, He's working in us to bring those two circles into perfect alignment where His truth that I believe overlaps. And I am made, the Bible says, in His image. Over the next six weeks, our prayer is, Father in heaven, we want to understand what you believe about us. We want your truth to become our truth, our belief. We want to be transformed at a very deep heart level. Please help us. So let's go back to our story about the little girl again. As she comes to realize that she is beautiful, not because about what the boys in her class say about her, but because she's made in the image of God and He made her unique and special and loved, it changes everything about her. Everything. Because she now believes the truth, not a lie. The circles are over, are aligning, they're overlapping. Romans chapter 12 verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may know Him clearly. And so we come to Ephesians chapter 1. It's, the begin- it's in the beginning of your workbooks. I forgot to tell you that, but I see some of you already on track. There's a page for your notes in your work- workbook. If you page ahead, there'll be the fill-ins for the midweek life group meeting. And then... Towards the second half is the devotionals for every day. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1 together. It says, Paul, I, I struggled even just going over this because I kept getting stuck and distracted. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ. In other words, who God has made him to be. He leads with the truth. He says, I know that God has made me like this. You might not be a Paul or an apostle, but I know that God has made you a, a certain way. And Paul says, an apostle of Christ by the will of God. In other words, I'm part of a grand plan. I'm not, not just hustling on my own. I'm not just trying to make a plan in this world and get through this life. I'm part of a grand scheme of God. It says to God's holy people in Ephesus, they're special They're holy. Uh, Some of the older translations use this word. They say to the saints at Ephesus. I don't know about you and me, but I thought saints were old people. Just relax. Like hundreds of years old people. (laughs) The Catholic Church calls them. They've been beautified. It's a beautiful word. They're supposed to have been able to do a miracle somewhere along the way. And they get officially conferred. The status of being a saint. Can I help you out? I'll save you centuries and a whole lot of work. If you're born again, the Bible says we are saints. So cool. We are holy people. We're special because of our belonging. (laughs) Right, let's go. Verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us 
in the heavenly realms with thank you to the two of you with can I be pedantic forgive me I know it's bad when preachers like put pressure on you guys but would you mind just reading that sentence with me he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ I want to ask you this is that believable or is it truth That's the first circle, right? I might believe it or not. I might be up and down, different days of the week, different months of the year. But it's truth that I need to adopt. My feeling, my belief, my experience does not minimize truth. You can look at that slice of chocolate cake. You can believe. There's no calories in it. What's the truth? It's true, Yoda said, if you think you can, or you can't, you're right. But that's not quite what we're talking about this morning, right? All of you have just totally fallen off your perch because I quoted Yoda in church. Where are we? Help us, Jesus. Praise, verse 3. Uh, verse 4. <laughs> For he chose us in him. Mm. Isn't that the best part? He had, we don't know how many angels to keep him busy with singing songs and having a happy time. <laughs> he had every organism in the whole of existence <laughs> to look at and to. Keep going. The Bible says he upholds everything, sustains everything. Like he had a lot on his plate, right? And in the middle of all of that, he chose me. And the best part, before I even existed, he chose me. I wasn't even standing in front of him and saying, Excuse me, can I? Excuse me, Mr. Neighbor, can I come swim in your pool? Uh, I wasn't even around yet. <laughs> in fact, humanity hadn't even begun yet. And he knew one day there would be a Craig Mayer. So it was like this, and a little like that. He said, I choose him. I say to you this morning that he chose us. He chose you. I don't care what you believe. I'm telling you the truth this morning. A kilogram is a kilogram. A meter is a meter. 30 degrees is 30 degrees. He chose you. Before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. I spoke to a man, a young man the other day. I'd seen him a couple of days in a row and every time he wouldn't look me in the eyes. I don't know why. He's a little taller than me but it felt like he was always looking at my shoes. I thought you you know, at first I was like, yeah, they are quite cool. <laughs> for three days he wouldn't look at me in the eyes. I had a chance to pray for him. 
said something along the lines that he has made us holy, blameless in his sight. You can lift your head. I don't care what you believe. I care what is truth. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Maybe you've grown up in a loving family your whole life and you kind of think, oh, that's nice. According to the stats, most of us didn't. The Bible says God is love and in love, in who he is, he chose us. He predestined us. That means he booked our spot. He planned ahead of time, past tense, to make sure future tense became present tense that he decided. You got it? To be adopted. I want to say this morning, forgive me if, if this doesn't come out right. I want to say this morning, if you're born again, then you are part of the Grace Co. family. You're adopted. We might not look alike. Might come from different places. Might have different preferences. But because of a common father who's adopted us into a family, you and I are brothers and sisters. Where's Tibbs? Tibbs, are you around? There you are. You've been... I need an elder to look at whether I'm going to stop or keep going. <laughs> Can I say we tend to those we look like? Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in opportunities where we've been sort of monoculture, different monoculture, different monoculture, and then like this. Can I say, even if our cultures are different, even if I'm not actually your brother, he adopted me and you, and we are siblings. And that's truth. In accordance with his pleasure and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given, I need to finish. In Him we have the redemption through His blood. Forgiveness of sins. Wow! In accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. Wow! Let me try and finish with a story. Anyone remember watching the original Annie? Remember the old one? Hey? I take that one out, I take the middle one, and I take the older, not even the new, the latest one, not even the names are right. I'm like, excuse me, who? The story goes that Mr. Warbucks, this insanely rich man, the Elon Musk of the 1960s or 80s, whenever the book was written, sends his assistant, whose name, it's important, is called Grace Farrell. 
in the movie. This grumpy old rich man sends a lady called Grace. Fuck. She fights her way through the slum side of town. Pushes her way into an orphanage. Sits down with a horrendous person in charge, whatever you call them. She says, I've come because I'm looking for an orphan. Lady says, we've got lots of those. Which one do you want? She says, I would like to invite one of these orphans to spend the weekend at Mr. Warbuck's mansion. The lady starts flicking through papers and there's general commotion. What kind of an orphan would you like? And you see the door to the office open and out the corner of Grace's eye she spots this little girl that we then learn to know to be Annie. She's a little girl with a curly red hair, split up on her face. She says, I'm looking for a boy. And then she goes and pulls out her dress. A, a girl, a girl. This Grace pop, spotting her through the little open door. She says, I need someone who's intelligent. And little Annie spells the word. Someone that is happy. And Annie wanders down the passage laughing her loudest. The lady says, what kind of an age would you like? And she says, well, maybe five years. And you see the hand stick to the door like this. Six years? Seven years? Eight years? Nine years? Nine years? She goes like this. I'm looking for, for one nine-year-old with red hair. She says, oh, we don't have anyone like that. And Annie opens the door and walks into the office and stands there for all to see. Because of grace, the Lord of all creation, before time, knew you and I would come. And in love, he adopted us according to his good pleasure. And that's my identity. You might be here this morning and you might think God is a, a, a harsh and callous judge waiting to find an error in us to trip us up and to punish us for. You may be here thinking God is a, a distant God who really doesn't care about you, even though that you exist. I want to say, if you don't believe in Him, <laughs> that's not the truth. And maybe this morning is your opportunity to meet him for the first time. We'd love to help you with that. We'll finish by reading. It's in your book. It's called The Identity Creed, taken from this passage we've just read. I'll read it through and then we'll pray. It says, I am a child of God. I am made in the image of God. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I was chosen by Him before the world began. I am loved more than I will ever know. My Father knows me. My Father cares for me. He takes great delight in me. I have been redeemed. I have been set free. I have been forgiven. I am a saint. I am loved in the beloved. I am designed. 
and destined for the great purposes in Him. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. I am God's holy temple. I am intended to live for His glory. Christ dwells in me. I am a new creation. I am a child of the light. I am part of a new family. I am precious. I am called. I am empowered. I am God's inheritance. I am a co-heir with Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I am dead to sin. I am alive to Christ. I am seated with Him in heavenly places. I am a child of God. Lord Jesus. For those who have never made you their Lord and Savior, today would be your moment. And while I pray, you simply have to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm guilty for what I've done wrong. Today you forgive me because of Jesus. Please make me your child. If you pray that prayer, I'd love after the meeting for you just to come and meet us and let us know that we can pray for you. For everyone in this room, Jesus, I pray that you would begin or you would continue, but would you accelerate, Lord, the process of taking what we believe and what is true and bringing them into alignment. I pray for us, Lord, who struggle to look in the mirror at ourselves in the eyes and even more so to ever think of looking you in the eyes. I thank you, Jesus, that my identity when I'm born again becomes child of God. In Jesus' name, amen.